0: This episode of Replayable is brought to you by Floodgate Games, the creators of Skyrockets, Festivals of Fire. In Skyrockets, players take turns to play cards and flip the matching sand timers, which represent your fireworks, without letting any of them run out. Do all this while working together to advance along the countdown track to win. Skyrockets is a standalone game inspired by the hit game Kites, time to fly a deluxe edition is available exclusively from floodgate and includes acrylic tokens and premium card sleeves pre-order skyrockets today a little context for this episode the original conversation was recorded on friday december 29th of 2023 so all references to next year mean 2024 enjoy Replayable, where we go into depth on our favorite tabletop games that keep us coming back again and again. I'm the start player Todd, and today I'm joined by Greg and Paul. For our 20th episode, we will be discussing the granddaddy of deck building games, Dominion. It was originally released in 2008 by Rio Grande Games and was designed by Donald X Vaccarino, who is also joining us on the show today. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you have been interviewed a lot, but I apologize in advance if I ask questions that you've already answered a hundred times drop just drop it <laughs> just get oh, on
1: with the question they're way more that, entertaining
0: yeah you mentioned that obviously you played games as a kid and you had a dnd phase and you even made a few games back then what was it about yeah. game design that appealed to you in your youth hmm.
1: in my youth what appealed to me about game design i mean i have no memory of these times you don't just have trouble pulling memories from your brain they're actually gone right and so it's going to be hard to guess the motivations of young donald x but the games that i made as a kid were i think a hundred percent some existing game and i'd messed with it right and then i think that holds true the entire time until 1994 and in 1994 i played magic Yep. and at the same time i'd read a book about game theory which is like largely unrelated to games called prisoner's dilemma by william poundstone Mm -hmm. and so I was, first of all, I mean, I was very interested in like, well, I should make a collectible card game. And then I was like, well, you know, I should just make games with rules on cards that interact. And, you know, Magic didn't debut that concept, but really... Refined it? it, No, no. That isn't how I put it. You did a lot of it. Magic did a lot of it and had to figure stuff out for doing a lot of it that other games didn't. It's amazing how far they have failed to advance, Uh, you know, looking at recent (laughs) sets and how bad the templates are for some of these things that they've had so many years to try to figure out how do you phrase things in the best way. And, you know, they've refined it and refined it over the years. But anyway, you know, Magic really did a ton of it. That was my introduction to it. And I'd done a tiny bit of it. But I hadn't, you know, seen the potential right. of having, you know, all these cards with rules that will interact and give you unique experiences every game. And yeah, at the same time I'd read this book. And so I thought I will make a game theory game which I did. It was Pirate's Dilemma. And it was uh, impossible for normal players. Uh, <laughs> you would deal out eight cards every turn into a two by two dilemma grid. And each slot has one card for me and one card for you. And one of us picks the row and one of us picks the column. And the intersection tells us which two cards we're doing and you know, one's yours. Right. And this seemed like a fairly straightforward implementation of game theory into a game. And it was cool, but you do have to read eight cards every turn, which is just so does not fly right but yeah that was a key step and you know then just in the in the late 90s i just cranked them out i made dozens of games but my motivation sorry i'm not asking your question i was just like well, That's what do okay. i tangentially related to this topic you know what made me want to make games what was yeah. the thing? i mean yeah. i wanted to make video games i guess what made me want to make games was liking games and then i you know i played video games i like to say i remember when video games came out it was something. Right. I never played Pong, but I did play (laughs) Pac-Man on its first run through the arcades. And yeah, Donkey Kong, when that was all Mario had to his name. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was like, these were fun. I wanted to make those. At some point down the line, I probably got into, you know, my particular abilities as they relate to game design. In the case of Dominion, which is an extreme example, you know, the premise of Dominion was that everything would be in this deck of cards. I it's love that the of building a deck of cards and we'll just put everything in it. I'll, I'll not have any other thing. And the whole point to that wasn't, you know, this will work the best. It was, you know, let's just take it to the extreme and see what we get. Right. And that was, you know, very satisfying. Like I can do it all. I can put your, your victory points into the deck and I can put your economy into the deck and I can put what you do into the deck. So I'm into that stuff, but I would say the main thing really is just that I liked games. Right. OK, so, so I made them and I, that's not just limited to games. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, I like music and I've I've written some songs, but I don't really play an instrument. And I, I like fiction and I've written a bunch of stories. I was going to say, like, it's you just did some if screenwriting. I'm into it, I do some. Yeah, I wrote some screenplays. Oh, you read about that
0: somewhere. I did. Yeah. At uh, this
1: point, I turned two of them into novellas. And I think those are way more likely to do something because I've managed to, like, submit stories to places but I haven't managed to ever send screenplays out. All right. I don't know. The screenplays just feel so hopeless.
0: Uh, (laughs) Well, what themes (laughs) did you explore? What? I said, what themes did you explore? You don't have to tell me the the whole plot lines, but what themes were you grabbing? Yeah.
1: The premise of the first one was not the story premise, but the premise for me was to pack in every good idea I'd had, but in screenplay form. And I think you see this with, you know, an analysis of bands, songwriters, where it's like, you know, their first album is every good idea they had in song form. And their second album is, you know, everything that didn't fit on the first album. (laughs) And they have to actually start to, you know, learn what they're doing and come up with new stuff.
2: It's so true. The
1: first first screenplay, it was just, what cool stuff do I have? And can I mash it all together into a screenplay? And I totally did. (laughs) And so the second one was like, what do I have left? And man, I had a lot left. And I worked it into a more normal, a more conventional thing. A problem with my screenplays, except for the funny one, was that they all they're all about, you know, people coming to realizations. And while there may be famous movies that do that, I always think of Wall and Up, Wall e and Up, Mm -hmm. where they've got whatever cool premise. And then at some point, there's just a big chase. And uh, I never had the big chase. And so it always seemed like, you know, who's really going to make these? But yeah, the first one was, it was very arty. It was surreal, you know, had lots of cool ideas. And the second one was like a more conventional story. And everyone had wanted me to write the funny one, even though there had been jokes in the first two, but they wanted, you know, the airplane style comedy. So I wrote that one. You know, you've probably read the Dominion blurbs. Yes. Uh, I wrote those. Okay. Oh man, they are so much work. (laughs) (laughs) i have gotta write one for rising sun i'm so dreading it
0: you're tight 15
1: it's this you try to come up with jokes for this narrow topic and i it's always like oh look to my look at my screen that screenplay does it have any jokes i could use it right. did one. the hinterlands blurb starts with a joke from my my airplane style comedy nice it was you know in the in the screenplay it was like well it's a big city out there and we're little people I mean, yep. little one compared to the city and so on. <laughs> and so, yeah, that translates into the Henry blur. blurb. Someday, maybe I'll get these novellas published. Well, you know, maybe someone listening to the there. pod will be
0: interested in them. Yeah, who knows? Well, and the reason I'm asking about the screenplays, right, is because after that, you go through Spirit Warriors and Spirit Warriors 2. And yeah, yeah. How important is having narrative in a game for you?
1: I would say in the murky past, it started off being something I zero considered, Except, I mean, I had games that had narratives in them. Right, like, uh, like
0: Spirit Warriors did have hero building and questing. I mean, there was an underlying... Yeah, it had there.
1: stories in it, and it tried a little to make it so that they weren't entirely scripted because things can interact, Right. Right. And I'm still interested in that. I'd still like to make Spirit Warriors 2. You know, it made it onto my desk maybe three months ago and is piles of cards sitting there as instead I worked on other projects. (laughs) You know, I've I've got a game where you explicitly tell stories. Maybe I can talk about this game because, man, it has been shown around. Let's do it. it. This game, it's called Movie Draft. I tend to not put a lot of effort into these placeholder names. And you think, you know, it won't be published with that name anyway. But then Kingdom
0: Builder just got published as Kingdom Builder. Didn't Dominion originally have a name like Castle Builder or something like that? It was Castle Builder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. At the very beginning, it was like, yeah, I didn't know. I wasn't hooked into the community. I didn't know there were a million Build the Medieval Kingdom games and (laughs) i was like i'd like to make a build a medieval kingdom game and in the beginning it was all stuff around a castle so it was castle builder right and then i made some more cards like the second expansion was called abroad because it was like well we can't stay in the castle forever dominion is a poor name for it because it makes you think it's going to be like risk and i think there is a Risk product with dominion in the title even yes Uh, but you know that's what happened now it's dominion it's like raiders of the lost ark right right they're robbing a boat, what's going on here. But once you have had the experience, it's just that game. So it is still bad to name your thing Raiders of the Lost Ark. But uh, <laughs> in the long run, it can work out.
0: Well, um, or you just rename it Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then it's all good. Uh, so uh
1: <laughs> so movie draft it was from 2003 at the time there was no drafting you drafted in magic but there are no drafting games my first drafting it was from 1998 and i was very bitter about not getting to be the drafting game guy which right. is all on me for not trying to get my games published earlier but, you know, at the moment that Seven Wonders was announced, Greed, which I made in 2003 also, was it one publisher not getting played and I switched it to another publisher that didn't play it. And by the time Greed was actually published, there was already a wave of games derivative of Seven Wonders. But, you know, I was ahead of all that. I had drafting games. And so the premise of Movie Draft was to be a minimalist drafting game where you just you draft some cards and score. And we deal out audiences at the beginning and the audiences have what they would like to see. Which gives you a way to calculate a score from your cards. And we draft cards. So your cards are, you know, scenes and roles and special things about a movie. And you draft 12 cards and you play eight of them, just telling you the whole story. And then we we reveal all of our cards. And you know, you win an audience if you have the highest score for it, and whoever wins the most audiences wins. But there's a creative step to the game, which isn't scored, where you tell the story of your movie based on your cards. Right. You've got these pieces on the table and you, you just you, you explain how they all hang together. Well, it's the story of a writer. And at the beginning, I love that there's you know, there's this scene and you you work it all together. However, you do. Right. Obviously, you can add stuff that isn't on the cards just to tell the story. Right. You know, and then and then we score and, you know, you you aren't scored for your creativity, which I thought was key. You know, because uh, it's so problematic. Right. Yeah, Movie Draft was my most popular unpublished game for years, you know, prior to Dominion and then after Dominion was published. It's a minimalist drafting game, and I feel like that time has passed. There are other minimalist drafting games, and there are lots of drafting games. I don't know, at some, you know, sometimes I think maybe I will fix it up somehow, give it some twist that makes it publishable. Right, that is the story of movie draft. But anyway, you were asking how important narrative was for me, Gabe. So, well,
2: you know, I, I think the theme for Dominion, everything. the narrative part or the theme has evolved over time. Where you can think of it like a shortcut to understanding what a card is based on its name. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that, and that's very it's a very helpful thing to do when your game is so simple. The most thematic expansion is Nocturne. And it gets its thematicness in part due to complexity. And so you have like Leprechaun and you could read the card and guess that it was called Leprechaun which is like the dream, right? This card is so thematic. And in general, there's so many Dominion cards where there's nothing. There's no way we could have any clue what this card was called just from what it does. Right. And so it's a huge thing that you say, okay, I'm going to make all these things with plus one card, plus two actions be villages. And then that will tie them together. And it helps you learn the game. Like, oh, this is a village. It's going to do that. It's a very good trick to do. In these situations, you know, I had a playtester friend, Steve. He would always say the story of his turn. He would be like, "I go to a village, and there's a farm there." And you know, as he played through (laughs) all the cards, I don't think there's so much of that really. Uh, There's people who are into theme in the early days of Dominion. I didn't worry so much about it. And there are a lot of cards that are less resonant, and there are cards that don't hang together, like Smithy, for example, is draw three cards. But these days, Smithy would be gain a card costing up to four something something. Because, you know, I established that, you know, there would be this connection between cards, and, uh, and you know, Smithy defies it. Uh, right. This plus three cards would more likely be either some kind of traveling. I try to get in on those like Plunder has one called Pilgrim. I mean, it's, it's so ubiquitous that it's hard to really tie it down. But I try to tie it down a little.
2: I, I would okay. think like library uh, or something, yeah.
1: Yeah, sometimes they're like learning based and sometimes they're traveling based. And those are the two things that are a mild common thread among Smithies. It's very good to have resonant cards when you can, where you feel like, like in the main set, there was Thief and it steals treasures. And you feel like this is a Thief, it's stealing treasures. And I, I think that really does improve your game. Yes. Uh, but it, it was difficult to do with Dominion until I was stuck with a certain level of complexity. That is, the very simple cards just have no hope there right yeah they're
2: just you mean naming them is like a shot in the dark what i always you you said for the simple cards there's no hope and and i I yeah there's no there's no hope of resonance like whatever i
1: call the card like in the main set for example has the festival right plus two actions plus two coins plus one buy
3: i always celebrate when i get that card
1: (laughs) right Like plus one buy tries to be commerce related, but isn't always the most basic things in the game. It's very difficult to stick to a particular flavor for them because there's only so much of each flavor. And at some point, you know, you're naming the card after whatever's special about it, not after the base resources it gives, right? Right. Like nothing is named after that gives you plus two coins. It gives you plus two coins and it does something. And that's what it's named after. So like Festival, it doesn't have anything. It's just vanilla. It could have had a huge number of names and we'd just be used to it being called that, whatever it was. There was no way to make it resonant. Right. So yeah, you need a, you need a more complex card and then you can potentially hang stuff on it. And so the later expansions are more thematic. Also due to this, due to being allowed more complexity and also just due to me caring more about it. Than I did at the beginning. A you know a bunch of early cards they just they just have some name. And not a lot of work went into it. And for the new expansion, I worked on the names. I tried to have some cards that fit a name. Where I started with the name, so that that name would be in the expansion. And thought, what could that card do that would feel at all appropriate? Okay. But uh, you know, also at some point, it was like you know, oh, here here are the cards I would really like to rename to get something better if I can find it. And there's still there's still always going to be cards where that's impossible. Where I came up with some you know genius simple thing that all I can do is name it and you know people will accept it. Right. Like I know I know it's okay. <laughs> I don't I don't really. I don't need to stress out about it so much.
0: Right. So in your breakfast interview that you had with Corey over at Dice Tower Dish, one of the things you mentioned was that game design is a struggle between complexity and anything else you want. And you're now saying the later expansions have a lot of complexity in them, and that makes them more thematic. How do you balance those two things? No, I mean, is it good
1: enough? Well, I care the most about gameplay and, you know, you can only maximize one variable. This is what it comes down to. It's a basic rule of life that can be helpful in different
0: circumstances.
1: So, what I mean is, for example, you know, you can find the tallest mountain or you can find the mountain with the longest name, but you can't find the tallest mountain with the longest name. You can (laughs) come up with a new metric that combines mountain height and mountain name length into one metric and maximize that. But now you're you're not actually maximizing either height or length of name. It may fail at both. And people will see immediately some things like you'll say, you know, which is taller, the tallest mountain mountain in the United States or the tallest mountain in California. And it'll be very clear, right? Well, it's either a tie or right. the tallest mountain in the United States because California is a subset. But there, it's very easy to tweak that just slightly and have people not see it at all. But it, it's just true endlessly. And so which is more fun, the most fun card or the most balanced card, for example, right? Like <laughs> when you're balancing the card, you're either breaking even on how fun it is or you're making it less fun. And right. that, that's not intuitive. <laughs> But you're you're faced with this constantly. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I always try to side with gameplay. I want the best gameplay. I mean, you have to, it has to be ultimately fun. You, you need the most fun game. And in some cases, that's going to mean having something be less balanced. But, you know, I, I always want the best gameplay. And I care more about that than flavor. Then I do what I can for flavor. I don't know where this was going.
2: Well, I was, uh, I think uh, I think along I those lines, something. like how did that result in the second edition changes?
1: I mean, the second edition changes were 100% about gameplay. Okay, well, there's a suite of changes that we're talking about because like when the second editions first came out, like all the cards had really horrible layout and that was fixed, for example. But in terms of, you know, I, I took out cards and I added new cards. The main beauty of that was taking out the bad cards. <laughs> right was right you used the bad cards. use the past yeah. tense
2: previously when you said the word thief uh because that card's gone yeah, now yeah.
1: Yeah, and Thief in its day felt like an important card. But yeah, the idea was to take out the bad cards, and of course, adding good cards would be good too. And uh, it was, you know, it was an issue because we needed people to not be mad about it. And it, it's this weird thing where there are situations where, you know, you don't want to be the reason we can't have nice things. <laughs> people, people are sometimes in this area where, you know, in adventures, my big regret about the adventures expansion is that warriors can kill other warriors. And at the time, When we were playtesting the set, I was the only one who didn't like it. Everyone was like, oh, it's so thematic. It's great. Warriors can kill warriors. And it turns out lots of people hate it. It sucks. Because, uh, I mean, you have to have all this knowledge of dominion to know what I'm talking about. But... Take it from me, you don't want warriors to kill warriors. And <laughs> You don't, you don't uh, want to invest in
0: something and then have someone take it away.
1: Yeah, you, you put a lot of work into your warrior because you had to upgrade it from a page to a treasure hunter to a warrior. And it was several shuffles in. When you lose the warrior, all that's gone. And it's fine that some things can get rid of your warrior, that that can be a risk some games. But because warrior can do it, it's in every game with warrior. Right. And right. I would like to fix that. And it would be easy. We could just change the warrior card, give it a different attack, stick it in the expansion, And, uh, you know, we just can't do this because there'd be people really upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just such a bummer, right? And so in the case of the second editions, I mean, we replaced these cards and there were certainly people who were aghast that the cards were going out of print, but of course they had them. And we published the new cards separately so you could just buy those. So we weren't making you buy the whole expansion to get everything. Oh, okay. And, you know, they were not intended to stay in print because in the long run, everyone's going to have the new cards by buying the new version of the expansion, right? I think they did get reprinted at least once because, you know, no, there was more demand for those. Uh, Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So I brought those second edition upgrades all the way through Hinterlands. Excellent.
1: The Hinterlands ones are just amazing. Hinterlands just shaped up so well.
2: I understand the, the trepidation about removing cards or changing cards. Do you have data from online statistics that help you make your case? Well... I talked with a bunch of people
1: about which cards should go. You know, which were the cards that people thought were not just weak, but you know, that they didn't like. And of course, I have a lot of data on cards being confusing or having other problems besides power level. People are especially sad when the powerful cards go. Right. Uh, and mostly weak cards have gone, but some powerful cards, like Mountebank, have. And you know, there were really good reasons. <laughs> right. <laughs> the gameplay is way better and i I tried to give them something back for the people who had miss any particular card right any card where it was like no somebody's gonna wish this still existed I've tried to make the new better version you know more publishable version. I've lost track of the question I still haven't finished talking about that narrative arc thing from from way back in the conversation let's tap it now before you forget. <laughs> I don't
0: even remember how you phrased the question. I said, how important is having but, narrative in a game we for you?
1: Right. And then we I know one path was the whole, yeah, Steve saying, I go to my village. Yep. And yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I have much narrative in that sense. The story that I'm part of is the story of the game sans flavor, right? If we blank out all the <laughs> names and art, there is a story there, right? That's a different story right and the story, you know, the story of-, of the building up and the, and you know the twists and turns that happened during the game cuz surprising things happened i made you know i gambled in some way and lost at some point and somebody right. else got lucky in some sense these have been you know exciting moments in the plot on our way to in the big dramatic arc of just we build up and then we start to get bogged down and then it's over or whichever variation of that is, as we talked about earlier but the the card flavor isn't doing that for me so much it's nice
0: when you're designing the cards do you ever have a sense of let's see how people can have fun just exploiting them and creating these obnoxious combinations i mean it may not have to be something that gets fixed because there are so many cards and the likelihood that crazy power combinations occur is really unlikely unless i'm seeking that experience out
1: well it depends on lots of things it's great if there's a really exotic game state that's very rare we'll have a blast with that and there have been a number of times in playtesting when A card is produced in exotic game state. And it was just a bummer that the card did it absolutely every game it was in and (laughs) that it wasn't something, it wasn't rare enough. And it was like, this is fun once, and then you'd never play with this card again. Whereas if it was a combo, you know, it could be there. It could be in the game. Right. It depends on the nature of the combo, because there are a few combos that are over the line in terms of what they do to the game. Like, you know, this, this game is trivial and dull because of this combo. Right. And that hasn't necessarily even killed the card. Obviously, I don't know everything that's going to come up in advance. Right. Uh, but right. I know some stuff. And so, for example, you know, one of the worst combos is lurker hunting grounds where Lurker trashes a, an action from the supply or gains an action from the trash. And Hunting Grounds gives you a duchy or three estates when it's trashed. So you can lurk it from the supply and just gain your duchy. Right. And Lurker is very good at ending the game because you can just trash cards from supply. So you can empty three piles. And so we can just very quickly empty the Hunting Grounds and the duchies and then probably the Lurkers. And that's the game. And, uh, you know, this isn't great that this combo exists. And it didn't kill Lurker, which came out after Hunting Grounds even though it's in an earlier expansion but does it it even matter uh, because lurker was super cool right lurker did all these fun things i love lurker Uh, but you know it was allowed to live despite that because well you need to have that in hunting grounds and i think there's another one that's that's about as bad but most of the combos like this aren't as extreme like i want it to still feel like there's some game like there's still something you know where i tried to make decisions than you right yeah in general it's great if there's these extreme things that can happen and there are cards like you were asking about it from a design perspective like i'm trying to make these cards i'm certainly trying to make cards that will interact in novel ways and then we see in playtesting you know what happens what experiences do we get and i I, you know i really like having the really exotic experiences but yeah if there's you know some three card combo that breaks the game uh, it's probably not so bad and I, and I mean, it's probably not so bad even for the people who play online who can play so many more games.
0: Right. Well, I've even noticed, right. like, in the in the current digital implementation on Steam, I can actually, as paid DLC, I could actually get those first edition cards if I really had to have them. Yes. Which is interesting. We were stuck with
1: that because we wanted to give the cards to the people who bought them on some old platform, GOKO, right. slash yeah. making fun, slash fun sockets. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, that's two different entity entities with those names. Yeah, we wanted to give all the cards to the people who bought them there, and so that meant the first edition cards. Got it. Uh, I would mostly like people
0: to not have them. <laughs> 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 but I think they'll have more fun. But, I agree. Uh, with the Lurker-Hunting Ground combo, Like the fact that it exists, it doesn't break the game unless those two cards happen to be in your game. Yeah, It's a two
1: card combo and it's those specific two cards. And so that's not very common, but it's for online players. It's common enough that like everyone has had that game. And that game is, like I said, no good, which is really what it boils down to. It's not just exotic. It's like, well, this is it. You know, right. I buy Lurker, you buy Lurker, I buy Lurker, you buy Lurker, I Lurker, a Hunting Grounds, I buy Lurker. There also are exotic game states where you are super screwed in a bad way that I need to try to avoid. <laughs> and, you know, like Masquerade got errata. There was, a, there was a combo, and we had not found this, where it was King's Court, Masquerade, Militia. And so Masquerade makes everyone pass a card to the player to their left. And so you empty, you empty your hand by playing your deck. And at the end of it, and you've militia them, so they only have three cards. And at the end of it, you King's Court, a Masquerade, and you have no cards left to draw. And so you draw nothing, and they pass you a card from their from their hand, and you trash it. Because Masquerade also lets you trash a card. You pass them nothing, and they pass you a card, and you trash it. And they pass you their last card, and you trash it. And so they have no hand every turn, and you gradually trash all the cards in their deck. Right, And, and this was very easy to fix with the errata masquerade that says you only pass cards between the people who have any militias and masquerade are still rude, but, uh, (laughs) but don't lock you out. Right. And this was a level of problem where I decided, okay, I'm actually going to errata this card. And it's like, it's a change that affects almost no games, right? Right. People always have cards in hand. Why does it, why would it even check for that? It only affects the case where you were going to have this awful experience. And that combo, I mean, it was King's Court, Masquerade, and then any Militia, because there's multiple cards that fill that role. So it was somewhat rare, but
0: still seemed worth fixing because because it was just, you know, you don't get to play. Got it. So what are your thoughts about layering a campaign on top of Dominion? Say... First play with these 10 cards and then... Okay. So, right.
1: (laughs) I'll answer all the questions. The narrative arc thing. That, the importance of that for me has gone up over the years. And I would say, especially even now, like as of this last game with its unique, this upcoming mysterious game with its unique (laughs) narrative to it that makes me think, boy, I really want to get that into more games. And it's not clear like what options there are even. (laughs) <laughs> hmm. for a strategy game, you know, where how much can you program these ebbs and flows and right. get different, different situations. There's all these ways we can have different experiences because of surprising things happening. I, I don't know what I'm <laughs> saying here. My whole career has been about giving you new experiences, right? It's that every game is trying to be something that you could play a hundred times and keep seeing new things. Right. The opposite of games before that. Like, right. you know, right. obviously, like magic endlessly gives you new experiences. And that's where I got the idea. But, you know, there's game after game. You know, like I was a big fan of Reiner Knizia, but a typical Reiner Knizia game, you play it and you've had the experience. It's going to be that experience every time. They're very homogenous. And it goes beyond that. Right. Like he has a, all these different bidding games that are yes, these twist on this formula where, you know, Medici and Ra are very similar, but they're different. And they're, these are the ways. And, uh, and then there's modern art and it's very similar, but it's different in this way. And if, you know, if those were my games, that would just be one game. The bidding game. <laughs> and it would vary all that, all that. But so I'm very big on that. But yeah, it, I, it's never been focused on narrative. It's always just been focused on it's super fun to have these games that are different every time. And I mean, I'm playtesting them too. I've got to enjoy playing the game a hundred times. Right. So I'm trying to make these games with all this variety, but it, it was never, you know, that that's all just like we'll see different things come up that hadn't come up before. You know, it'll be a different interaction and exotic game state or whatever. But it was never thought of. It, I never framed it in terms of uh, narrative, in terms of a
0: story being told by the game. Uh, but I mean, like if you did that, I've with... only
1: considered that recently.
0: Yeah. I mean if you did that with Dominion you could say here are the 10 cards you use for the first game and then you could have an event right that carries over to the second game then you have a second set of 10 oh, cards Oh you're that they you use. want to talk
1: about the campaign thing now.
0: Yeah, let's I mean well basically yeah. I'm just trying to campaign. I'm trying to get more storytelling out of the wonderful framework that is Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've I've uh,
1: there were things called campaigns in some of the online versions of Dominion digital versions and the new steam one uh, has big plans to do that Uh, it's just they're still days away from releasing the initial version officially as opposed to as a beta so it's been waiting Uh, but the way these things used to work is you know they were just they didn't have anything that carried over they were lots of games of dominion and there would be unique twists to how things worked in some of them there would be a rule that changed the game or sometimes it would just be your starting deck is different in some way and that was how they worked and i imagine that's the plan for the future too and i put in all that work i mean i picked out all the sets of cards and what the rules would be and stuff for all those campaigns i um, I think that leads
2: into a, a question i've always had which is about the promo cards like are are you also designing the promo cards and you think this would be a great card but it doesn't fit in an expansion or do they come about a different way
1: uh, well, promo cards suck, and <laughs> the, uh, the problem uh,
2: <laughs> the uh,
1: if the card was worth printing, it should be in an expansion. And if it's not worth printing, it shouldn't be a promo. And at first, you think there'll be an exception for wacky cards like this is too wacky to go in an expansion, and they're not great to have as promos because there's no rule book or anything. These days, everyone can just look up the card on their phone so you can say, okay, maybe it's not so bad to have the wacky card that's the promo. But really, the the promos exist because there's people who want them. You know, the Finnish publisher says, oh, we'd like a promo, the nth anniversary of Dominion something, something Finland. And, (laughs) you know, we try to be friendly. And so there's Sana Avanto. Oh, finish. you were
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't kidding.
1: Yeah. You know, we had a promo waiting for the next time somebody wanted one. And Spielbox said, can we have a promo? and so we could just say yes. And so that's Marchland and it's coming out in January or something. Okay. I don't think I finished the previous batch of questions
0: though. <laughs> oh, uh, but, we know. had talked about campaigns and adding narrative to the game and you mm. said that was in store for the yeah, digital I didn't version. really
1: I didn't really answer that question though. Like so yeah, you were thinking of campaigns in terms of I always think of the the Heroes of Might and Magic campaigns. Heroes of Might and Magic 2. Yeah. where it, like you had a choice you could make at some point during the campaign and you get this alliance with the elves, which means now random groups of elves on the map will join you from that point on. So there's actually something, some little bit, like they didn't do much. They didn't put a lot of effort into this, but there's some little bit to which it's not just play a series of games, right? Or with uh, with Pandemic Legacy, where there's some change that happens, not just like these changes to the board, but you, know, you make a decision and some card is different different now and it's not going to be so different but something or just uh, something
2: as simple as starting with a new card in your deck instead of just copper in the states
1: well I mean I think that totally did the trick of spicing up those games right to make the campaigns fun but there was no overall, there was no like based on how things go, because all, you know, how things go is just you win the game or you don't. And we could say, you could have something like an achievement in there, right? Where it's, if oh, you manage to win the game say. without this card, now we're going to do something different next game. And we right. never did anything like that. So there was no, there was no connection. You could just play all of the campaign levels independently and it's the Got same it. difference right? They were all related, but they didn't exactly hang together. It's like there's the Seaside campaign. And for one set of levels, there are a bunch of levels where you got to take two turns at the start of the game before anyone else got going as a special twist. And then there were levels where, you know, I've picked out the cards, this is, this is the board. And then maybe, oh, you know, your opponent starts with this card in their deck or whatever it is. Or you start with this card. And some of those were extreme. But yeah, the levels are all independent. It's come up a few times doing some kind of campaign thing, not with online Dominion, but with real life Dominion. And I haven't really put any work into it. And I guess it doesn't, it's not
0: really hooking me.
1: (laughs) Right. It's just like, I'm getting plenty out of Dominion. (laughs) Right. Well, Uh, if you
0: ever decide to do it, you know. Dominion Legacy. Yes. I mean, I don't like, I absolutely hate tearing up cards, so no, but.
1: oh yeah, (laughs) And it's like, I feel like what you get out of it, I'm giving you every game anyway, right? Like, okay, you you can get this sensation of you tore up your card, you, you put a sticker on the board, it's different. And we did that. We're living in the world of our consequences, which you don't get out of playing a game of Dominion. But a significant part of what you're getting out of it is this variety that I'm giving you tons of. You're yes. having new experiences every game. And so, yeah, I don't need to make you rip up cards to do that.
0: You can just do it. <laughs> I'm not ripping up my first edition cards either. Just so. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you.
1: <laughs> I unsleeved mine. They're gone. <laughs> <laughs> they are no longer Donald approved. <laughs> yeah. For a while, for a while, I unsleeved Alchemy. But uh, finally, I sleeved it again oh you made it back into your good graces it didn't exactly i mean i it's the, the black sheep i always cite i mean there were good reasons it was a lesson and you know in not being pushed around right you it was the fastest why
2: development right yeah, like the, the thing you released with the least amount of playtesting?
1: Yeah, it was just Hansom Gluck wanted to be putting out small expansions. And I think what they would have liked was like three cards or something, something really cheap that could be at the counter of the store or something. I don't know exactly, but I was too aware that people would own whatever random mix of things. And it had to be that that mix worked, you know, that that you had Mm -hmm. a good number of, for example, villages, whatever it was, whatever expansions you had. And so I wasn't willing to go below 12 cards. And it turns out, of course, after the fact that people really prefer the bigger expansions anyway. And so at this point, Alchemy is the only small expansion. We just sell Cornucopian guilds in one box. But yeah, they wanted it right away before the next expansion that was getting polished up and ready to put out, which was Prosperity. Which is fantastic.
0: uh, Yeah, that's my favorite.
1: Well, Prosperity got so much better with the second edition. It had a lot of dud treasures, but it was always a very popular set. But anyway, yeah, why am I telling you this alchemy story? I can tell it, though. The, it. Uh, I needed this set right away that was like 12 cards. And alchemy, which was planned to be the last expansion you know, of the expansions that all made before I had a publisher, you know, half of it was the potion stuff. So I could just break that off. People always imagine a large alchemy is having way more potion stuff, but that was not the case. It had just that much. And I got a month to work on it and uh, <laughs> there it is. And uh, for all these years, there's this lesson of game design. This is, it's tangential. There's this lesson that when people complain about something, it doesn't matter if they're wrong. <laughs> They're still not having fun. It's not enough that you can say, well, I've done the math and you're
0: wrong. Right. It's like, they're not having fun. Right.
1: That argument <laughs> doesn't work? come up for me, right? It's like... It wasn't this is what Greg thinks about
0: Quacks of Quedlinburg, by the
1: way.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm unfamiliar with this entity. Oh, it's a bag builder where you are randomly drawing a chip out from your bag and you're setting it down and you're advancing along a track and based on the combos you're exploiting you're going to get further along the track that round and greg i'm not trying to embarrass him i will just say he's had some <laughs> phenomenally bad luck where like statistics <laughs> say he should be winning by far because he has
3: I, I competing i just want competing i don't need
0: winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so kind of what you're saying that you know the math says that players are wrong but yet they're not having fun
1: yeah so wait what were you talking about <laughs> I knew that was was tangential. I knew that. But it seemed like it was relevant to what we were talking about somehow. Uh, Oh, it's alchemy, right? Right. So a key thing in alchemy was it has to be, it could be that this is the only potion card on the table, right? The only one is this one. It has to be that it's worth getting despite that. And that... You'd like to be buying potion and have there be several options, but, but you know, when there's just one option, it has to work. And so I focused on that. That was clear. And I tried to make it so that it worked. And people still don't like it. And they're right, right? They don't like it. It wasn't good enough to just have the cards be good enough, which they aren't all, but you know, some of them are right. But the big thing, like I've always cited over the years, you know, people want more. They want me to make alchemy into a big set. And it's like, but it's the least popular thing. Like anything else I do would be better, would have more people happy. <laughs> <laughs> than to do this people always compare things against nothing but you have to compare it against whatever else right yes
2: like it's
0: opportunity, opportunity cost of time
1: yeah but when i re-sleeved it and played with it some more i think it's clear that potions just aren't a good mechanic that everyone who doesn't like potions is totally right at the very beginning of dominion it was like oh and i'll have multiple resources and i thought well one resource will be better and i did one resource and so alchemy was an obvious thing to try. I will add a second resource and see how that goes. And, you know, it just sets you up for the hands where you have two and a potion and the card costs three and a potion. And right. uh, it's just basically bad times. So this was all just me bad-mouthing alchemy, which is for sale. <laughs> 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 Go buy it, have the fun of it. I don't react, you know, when they come up in an online game when I'm playing on the Steam app, which I do like every day. Uh, I mean, know, there's alchemy card, it's fine. If it's bad, I won't buy it. If it's good, maybe I will. Maybe I'll get the potion. They're, you know, they're playing fine for me, but I recognized, you know, it was a it was a poor mechanic. A lesson in interactions with publishers, which is tricky, right? Because you really want the publisher to be happy. The big thing that I will push about Dominion, it's a secret, though I've said it before. <laughs> the, the secret beauty of Dominion is that I used to make all these tableau building games. I mean, I still make, make tableau building games, but mm-hmm. it was a big thing I, I used to do. And you play an ability like in Evolution, a very significant game for me in my development as a game designer that, that I'm not remotely shopping around. But you know, every turn you're playing a body part or something. So turn one, we all it's a four-player game. We play simultaneously. This was something I, I learned in the 90s. It was due to, I always cite Bruce. Bruce would come over to play games and he'd be waiting for his turn and he'd reach over to the bookshelf and take a book off and start reading it. And when you design the game, that's just heartbreaking. <laughs> and you, you have to do something to keep people always involved.
2: Oh, my God. And I,
1: so I started making all these simultaneous games. And Dominion is my most famous game, my most high-profile game. And my second most high-profile is Kingdom Builder. And they both have turns. You take turns and you're waiting for your turn. I initially referred to Kingdom Builder as the downtime game. Uh, in most <laughs> of my game, the players all do things at the same time. There's different tricks you can do to try to solve this. And dominion uses the best trick i came up with which is all the complexity of your tableau is hidden away in your deck so it's not out there baffling you and you know having things that you miss got it
3: and that's the that's the subset of that
1: (laughs) yeah it lets you make a way more complex game state that you can handle
0: Got it. Okay, I have two last questions for you. One, one of them is this selfish. Question. Well, that's uh,
1: fine. Just ask all the questions you've got. If you only have two, you know, answer two.
0: Well, the first one, I was actually going to get over to it, uh, talking about magic, and it has that phenomenon called power creep. Right? What are you? <coughs> yeah, there's about?
1: no, there's no nothing analogous in Dominion. You don't think so? No, not remotely. Magic, there's no reason for it. It would just be bad. In Magic, there's a reason for it. You know, they talk about, what do they call it? Asher's staircase or something? That's right. They want it to be that each set looks more powerful, but isn't. And so what they do is you say there's like 10 areas of mechanics or something. And at any given time, most of them are going up but one of them shot back down. And so they keep raising the power level on different things while other things are going lower so that it always seems like things are getting better. That was their ultimate solution to this problem. I don't know how well they're implementing it. But in Magic, you know, you want to sell the new expansion and you're building your decks and you can just play with the old cards. And so what do you do? And so there's this temptation and well, you make the new cards better and then maybe you'll sell them. And of course, the other thing you can do is say, we're not going to let you play with your old cards anymore, but people know they can play with their old cards when they're not in a tournament or something. Right. So there's this incentive to make the sets get more and more powerful. But this ultimately wrecks the game, and they knew that. The goal was to make the power level flatter, but along the way, they drastically improved the power of creatures versus, you know, the early days. But in Dominion, it's just not remotely like that. You're buying a new expansion because you want to have these new experiences. You're not trying to make your deck better. There's no such thing, right? Right. We all play with the same cards. So it's not like you're getting some competitive advantage because you bought this expansion. You're just getting the joy of the expansion. The new expansion you know, the cards all want to be about as good so that when you deal out 10 cards, there's real question of what strategy you should pursue. It's good to have cards that are situationally better or worse. And lots of cards are trying to manage that. But yeah, basically you want the same power level year after year, uh, whatever was the good power level. And there's no incentive to make them stronger. Like it's not going to be like, oh, let's buy this expansion because it has the powerful cards. What does that mean that you want the games to be faster? It would be that, right? Faster,
0: more uh, more chaotic, more thematic, whatever is driving a particular player.
1: Yeah. You've
3: mentioned that there's a, been a complexity creep. Maybe that's a better way of looking at it is that you have cards now that are more thematic and more complex, doing more things at once.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you have no options there. You know, the rules have to go somewhere. They have to go in the rule book or go on the cards. People prefer them to be on the cards. Magic has such insane complexity creep and so much, so much less justification for it. (laughs) (laughs) because you can do so many extremely simple things with a magic card
3: oh i i just played doctor who magic uh this weekend (laughs) Uh, that's yeah yeah, talk about complexity
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's so over the top these days there's all the places that a card is and you can move cards between the places. And this is a big source of what cards do. Mm-hmm. Like we'll move a card from in play to somebody's hand and that's on summon. Or we'll move it from in play onto their deck and that's time Ebb and so on. There's all the different ways we can disrupt the basic flow of a card. And then there's the combat stuff. There's the basic things that interact with combat. And then there's all the stats on every card that we can mess with. You know, a crazy number of stats. And Dominion has cost and types. It's very limited as to what there is to mess with. Uh, and of course, I put out way fewer cards, too, right? So <laughs> <True. that>. like <laughs> they're they're putting out, I feel like this number is gonna sound improbable. Like it couldn't be correct. You know, I remember the days when they put out three expansions a year, and I think they're up to 30. And there's some chart you can find online, and 30 sounds like I, I'm just saying 30. Like that's not the number. It's going to be five, right? It's not going to be 30. And this is counting everything. It's counting like secret layer products or whatever, I think. But you can find this chart online that shows the progression over time of how many expansions per year, and it explodes within the last couple of years. This After inch- it
2: went digital, yeah.
1: And yeah, you know, there will be one to be an expansion next year. and. It will it will fit in a box. Plus the
2: promos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you it, when you buy it, you get all the cards. But anyway, power creep, it's just not a thing. And got it. Complexity yes. creep is totally a thing, and every expansion is desperately trying to find ways. It can be simple despite needing to have new cards. And the new expansion is really gonna nail that. It's got a surprising number of very simple cards in it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys haven't even played Plunder. (laughs) Plunder is is such a blast too.
0: I've Uh, played a couple of the dailies that had cards from it. So it is on my list of of things to pick up. That's a great sticking point of the Steam implementation is those daily challenges that uh, draw from all of the expansions, even ones you don't own digitally, you still get exposed to them. So you're like, hey, I want to play with that card. Well, then No,
1: the daily is fantastic. It is really sad when you lose it. And then feel like you need to play it again. You Uh, can if you buy the expansion. No, no, you
0: can't
2: play
1: it again. (laughs) No, I thought you could just keep playing it again that day until you beat it. Oh, yeah. No, you get one shot at it. I guess I didn't know because, you know, I have them. (laughs) Right. I didn't pay for them or anything.
0: Well, now you're just flexing. (laughs) (laughs) Some of my friends got them too. Yeah, I'll be your friend. (laughs) Uh, so how has the accessibility of community influenced your game design because like you started out contacting people via phone and then email and now you know here we are on discord and dedicated websites and you've seen an explosion of accessibility to your players just over the course of your career how has that influenced you yeah that's not true <laughs> hey, I got you on call, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> the
1: uh, the community has changed a lot. The initial community was on Board Game Geek, right? And somebody made a site Dominion Strategy, and all the Dominion talk moved over there. And it's basically dead now. These days, all the talk is mostly at the Discord, with the the runner-up being the Reddit. And there's a tiny amount of traffic on Dominion Strategy and Board Game Geek. Basically, none on Board Game Geek. And I don't check the German forums very often. Usually just when a new expansion is being previewed, I go look to see what they're saying about it. There are German forums too. Okay. I feel like I've had all this accessibility the whole time. Right away, there were all the people talking on BoardGameGeek. And it's important not to be affected by the loud voices that you want to know what everyone thinks and lots of people are satisfied. They're not saying anything. Like you want to ask some players what they think. And that will give you a better idea of what people think in general than just listening to the people who were ranting right but the people ranting they've certainly had an effect over the years. You get an idea as to you know what people love and hate. And typically anything that somebody loves, somebody hates they're they're always paired. There's people who are like, yes, I want the attack that makes my opponents suffer and the people <laughs> like we know we don't play with those cards. Uh, we just want to build our kingdoms in peace right. So it's a rarity to find a card that's really so much on the side of hate minus the love. like probably the most hated card is possession. And there are, are a lot of people who love possession and possession was a huge mistake. Like it, <laughs> the big thing is just that it, it's so rules wise broken. And in the end I had to give up on it. Like modern expansions just do not consider that maybe possession will be in the game. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, right. It's hopeless. Uh <laughs> But yeah, there's still people who adore Possession.
0: It's like <laughs> taken really, it out of context. That sounds really bad, but yes. <laughs> to really,
1: the, the least liked card is going to be something no one cares about. It's it's going to be one of these cards that was very weak and it wasn't very interesting that left with the second editions. There it's going to be, yeah, no one hated that card or loved it or whatever.
2: Uh, so so am I hearing that there will eventually be an Alchemy second edition? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, that's not something I could ever answer because <laughs> a second edition can't come out until we sell out of the first edition. And if people know there's a second edition coming, I know a few people will snatch up the first edition to make sure they've got it. But in general, people will wait. And right. so if there's a second edition of something coming, you know, if, if it's public, it will never happen. Got it. Yeah. There's so many projects I could be working on, whether Dominion or, or
0: other games. And the, the alchemy is still <laughs> low on the list. All right. I'll get ready to wrap us up here. Do you have any other follow-ups to well questions we've had?
1: your whole thing? Uh, it's at the beginning, you were all, we're all going to be talking about narrative. That's what we're
0: interested in. That's what narrative. I was trying to get to. And I, we covered a lot of it.
1: And yeah, these days I care more about that. Like I want to make sure like for years now, I mean, when I say years, certainly for 20 years, <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been paying attention to this thing, like having the game be climatic. Like I don't want it to just be like the game lasts 10 turns and then it's over and and who has the most point? I want it to feel. I want to be the game last 10 turns and then it's over but it feels like we got to a climax that the end was big right and this isn't tricky so i've done it a lot and i have two or three games coming next year and one of them has this very conventional arc to it and you know it builds up in exactly that way and then you have your big finishes and so it gets this climax thing very easily and like i said one of the other ones is very it has a very unique story to it (laughs) i feel so can we at least have estimated release dates on these I just don't know how to get another one of those that isn't that. Like, what are all the stories I can tell with the ebb and flow of a game that I can really dictate and have play well? I, I don't, it's all down to art, right? These two games, I think I think Rio Grande has announced the names of these games in some newsletter or something. So I just okay. tell you, that. the one is called Pacific and the other one is called Moon Colony Bloodbath. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Polar
3: opposites there.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and art is being done on both of them. You know, they'll come out next year. There's no way to know how right. unhappy we'll get about the art. At what point we'll be like we need to have somebody <laughs> else finish this art. They're both they being do- done by a single person. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, I think that's typical. Uh, yeah, it hasn't ever been true of Dominion, but but for lots of games. There's this very nice style to the calling Bloodbath art that's it's you know, going for that googie architecture thing. Right. The Pacific is I, this information has not been has not been publicized. <laughs> to about it, this friend's vocals doing the art and Pacific it's Marcel Andre Casasola Merkel and so his stuff is very art. yeah it really looks it is. Like. and and yeah that stuff is all amazing so my mind still wants to say more about narrative but I don't know what there's to say well, I've gotten more <laughs> interested in this and you know the new domain expansion you know March or April Rising uh, Sun that, that one's also waiting on art, but it's lots of artists. And, you know, if somebody doesn't come through, they just get replaced. You know, I should start to say April at this point, because like the art isn't in. Right. And if the art was in now, I think it could be March. I guess it's not going to be March. But the new, the new Dominion expansion also has a narrative arc thing in one of its mechanics.
0: <laughs> oh, now I'm really looking forward to
1: it. <laughs> a, a really, a really different, a really different thing. And that is, of course, completely, completely unknown. The world. So now someone will will listen to this podcast and report it on Discord and me and strategy and and
0: uh, let <laughs> it. There It'll you go. Become part of the conversation. Yeah,
1: it, it has a unique narrative arc mechanic. So if that had already come oh, out, we'd be all talking about that.
0: Uh, well, we may have to have a follow-up <coughs> conversation then. And
1: that was and that was the whole idea to it was really that that the narrative arc thing would be the cool thing, you know. So I would try to come up with this mechanic that did it. But over the course of my career, it hasn't it hasn't loomed so large.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm with you. Donald, i don't tend to get into the theme of a game that much and the story for me is what's happening at the table the the exciting moments of drawing the right card or rolling the yeah. the, the result like you good. need
1: yeah i like good themes that i value gameplay more exactly they go up against each other right like you use complexity to communicate theme and i don't want to
3: because those stories are the stories we tell between friends are always about those amazing moments of you know what happened in gameplay, not how it related yeah, specifically yeah. to the theme.
1: So well put, Greg. <laughs> Excellent. You, you, you're gonna you can end the podcast with that. And-
0: <laughs> I think I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> so Donald, thank you so much for joining us today. I really you enjoyed time? the conversation. It's been great.
1: Good,
3: good getting to talk with you, <laughs> Donald. Sorry, I didn't talk right. so much, but good getting to know you. And-
0: yeah, I didn't let you guys talk
1: very much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's okay people are here to listen to you <laughs> absolutely all right have a great day and okay. a happy new year goodbye that was a good conversation we had with donald x Vaccarino. i loved it let's move on to the prompts it's just the two of us it's just paul and i talking about dominion the first one weight complexity so on bgg scale of one to five How would you rate the complexity or weight of dominion
2: okay well it really depends on which expansions you're playing with true as you said there are
0: over 15 i think there are 14 and fifth is coming
2: yeah expansions Plus all the promos. So, you know, when I think about weight, I've been playing Dominion for a long time. So the the base game, I would rate a 2. And then I think Adventures raised it up to a 3. And then Menagerie raised it up to a 4 maybe yeah depending on on a lot of things it could be anywhere from two to four in my mind
0: i agree i had the same thing like base game framework is pretty simple and i'd say that's like a two and even within the base game the card selection for the most part keeps it at that level but based on the card interaction you can really ratchet it up with those expansions and I could see it getting up to a three. I don't know if I'd give it a four, but I haven't played a lot of Menagerie like focused on it. So I think that's one of the other weird things that comes well, into it.
2: I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it later, but Menagerie includes the Ways right. cards, which just completely change the game and, and give you so many options right. every single turn. So then
0: strategy, how much opportunity do you think there is for strategy and long-term planning?
2: Yeah, so I think with all the expansions, it's increased, same as... The, the complexity and, and so I rate the strategy and Dominion at a 4
0: wow okay
2: primarily because there's so much path dependency the choices you make at the beginning of the game predominantly determine who's going to win In my opinion, right?
0: Yeah. It's like trying to determine what's the best synergy between the, the 10 types of cards that you have in front of you, as far as the extra cards that you can purchase. You kind of just pick the path from the get go and have at it, right? Right. You You don't do a lot of changing horses in midstream. If
2: if you're playing with experienced people, a lot of the time of the game, like let's say a game takes 20 minutes. I think you spend like three to five minutes (laughs) on your first turn, just thinking about what cards you want to start with and what trajectory you want to take.
0: I agree. So I had it down as a three there for strategy, but I could see that being yeah, I, more. Yeah, I
2: think with the base game, like back when I played a lot with Cornucopia and um, Prosperity, it was a three. But I think it's gotten, it's gotten more complex, and that means it requires more strategy, in my opinion.
0: Right. So then what about luck? I mean it is a deck builder, so there's you can't get around it.
2: Yeah. I have to put luck right in the middle of the three. You know, once once everybody's proficient at the game, top decking will decide the winner sometimes. Right. Nothing nothing you can do about it.
0: Yeah, I had it down as a two, but I could see a three. I had it down as a two because you can mitigate the luck quite a bit with a lot of the cards, right? Whether they're giving you extra draws or
2: Yeah, if if you got a shark playing with minnows, you know, that that <laughs> shark's gonna win nine times out of ten. But Um, (laughs) I gave it more luck just
0: assuming that everybody's on the same level got it yep that makes sense so then theme this is gonna be a fun one how much do we think the theme has been integrated with the game again one through five
2: you know Donald changed my opinion Uh, he used the word resonance and I totally agree with him that the resonance of the cards title and picture is more and more matching the effect of the card as the game has grown right and with the later expansions i would rate theme a four i love the themes
0: of the later expansions yeah i think as the game gets more complex right he's able to create that resonance between the theme of the card and and what it does whereas before you're like okay i need to think of something that allows you to do an extra draw and an extra buy Okay. So I'm going to call that.
2: Yeah. If if we're just talking about like the base game and intrigue, then my rating would totally change. I agree.
0: (laughs) Well, and intrigue was more focused on one shots. If we're looking at the base game, I would say themes like a two. Yeah, I think so too. So then what's your favorite player count? What's the game best played at?
2: Yeah, so I really like it at four or less. If I have to pick a single player count, I think three is my favorite. Really? Okay. And that's just because I don't like the downtime that can happen sometimes in the game. But I love the multiplayer chaos. When it's just head to head, it's still good, but I, I want to have at least a third person. So I, I think balancing downtime and uh, having more than two people puts me at three.
0: Okay, that's interesting because I actually preferred it too. So what is it about the dynamic of the third player that you? Really like.
2: I think two player Dominion is a full out race Mm -hmm. where you are just trying to get as many points as possible and you can really calculate the best move every time. Whereas once you add a third player, you know, I think Donald mentioned this, you can get into this Mexican standoff where everybody's constantly improving their deck, trying to wait to pull the trigger. And surprise! You know
0: three supply piles ran out before we could buy any provinces so i guess that's a good point with higher player accounts the likelihood that you exhaust three piles gets a lot greater especially if there's a clear preferred set of cards out of the ones that are available that everyone is going for
2: i didn't even touch on that that more players buying more cards means you know the original design was there's always 10 cards of each pile right and that's never changed. But really, I prefer at least three players because I, I think it makes the game
0: a lot more dynamic. I think you may have changed my mind on that. I play a lot at two, just because that's what I you know have more readily available. But I do like the idea that it's more dynamic, and that other ending game condition is you know is more likely to happen with three than two. Probably even more at four. But yeah, I, I understand what. Yeah, the downtime. I,
2: I I also highly recommend the game at four as well. Okay. So then, your least favorite player count is six. I, the downtime is just crazy. Six is nuts, right? Yeah, and you know, like Adventures uh, has enough components for six players. And I, I just I shake my head. Like I, don't, I never want to do that. But that's not even an option with
0: just the base <laughs> game, right? You have to have.
2: I don't think so. I think originally it was it was four right. only, right? So then, actual playing time. You know, ideally it's twenty minutes, but I've had games so. The last game I played before taking a 10 year hiatus from (laughs) Dominion was an hour long game. What? And all I remember is I think there were three of us and we, we all had three or four pirate ships and so what would happen is if you dared to buy a silver or god forbid a gold the likelihood that it was going to be stolen by the pirates was so high that basically our decks were nothing but copper like copper (laughs) (laughs) it just took forever oh man yikes yeah i mean there's other reasons i stopped playing but that that was the very last game i ever played
0: between like 2012 and 2022. (laughs) (laughs) that is crazy yeah i like to say that probably it should be around 10 minutes per player i mean that would be the 30 minutes that the base game says it would take 40 minutes for four but then again Hmm. i have had games get down to under 20 like two-player games
2: especially prosperity games right right
0: right? That's just glittering prizes to use the old Diablo cheat card. <laughs> I
2: mean, but yeah, I used to love playing Prosperity. I, it turns the game into a race mm-hmm. and yeah, you
0: could finish a four player game in 20 minutes. Easy. I remember certain card sets. Yeah. So then which edition is the best? Have you spent any time comparing first edition to second edition Dominion?
2: You know, I looked it over in preparation for the interview and and based on Donald's comments, I love all the changes made for second edition, especially the card color changes mm-hmm. and basically how they folded in all the design advancements that they've made over the last 10 years back to the original set. I
0: love the second edition. Right. Yeah, I agree. The improved cards are great. And there's a part of me that you know has some nostalgia for the original game, the one that won the two big awards in Germany. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I have those cards, but I think if you were buying the game today and you came in on the second edition, I mean, it's fantastic the way it is now.
2: Yeah, it, it, I think it gives you more decisions because in, in the original game was released, there's several sets that you can randomly put into your supply piles that you would just say, oh, these are the only three cards I should ever buy. And I just ignore the other seven. Yes. Whereas now with the new second edition, uh, that's not always true.
0: Right. So then expansions, and we've been talking about them along the way. We're not going to talk about all of them, but do you
2: have a favorite? I can talk about this more later, but I took a long hiatus from the game. I just, I never knew that it had grown up (laughs) (laughs) right? because I felt like I had outgrown the game. I, I moved on. But looking back, especially after talking to Donald, I've been playing it a lot online and adventures just blew me away for me it breathed new life into the game with its events mm-hmm. its travelers duration cards improved duration cards and even the the reserve and then the other thing that blew me away again was menagerie which came out a few years later right and the introduction of Waze and, and Exile just adds so many decisions, which when I left Dominion, I kind of moved on to heavier games. Right. And now
0: Dominion is a heavier game if you play with those two expansions. Right, oh, gosh, could you imagine showing up to game night with 16 boxes of Dominion? <laughs>
2: Well, you need a yeah, I uh <laughs> that that is the crux of the problem. You know, it, it's so easy to play
0: online, but it's become not that easy to play face to face. Right. Didn't you read somewhere that there were like four hundred unique cards over four hundred?
2: I think it's over five hundred now, okay. if you count all the the treasures and everything else
0: right if you're talking about the action cards right so you've got one card of each type that's there is a randomizer <laughs> yeah if there's like 400 supply right, cards just you shuffling know, you, the you randomizers your, alone would take forever even if you put it in your app it's
2: like <laughs> you have an app randomizer you're like okay how am i gonna sort these cards so i can find them and in- put them into these 10 piles yeah you know we touched I think on Magic the Gathering a lot during our conversation and it has the same problem really and that's why Magic the Gathering publishers want everybody to play online now oh wow okay everything's digital on the digital play space allows them to do all these things that would just be ridiculous to try with
0: physical cards wow for expansions my favorite is Prosperity I mean, like if I could only pick one, that would be the one that I would choose to have with it. Even if adventures increases the complexity, I I just love the race. Like I want it to be fast. I want it to be big purchases. I like big dramatic moves and you being able to do that in a small amount of time where you haven't wrecked the evening. If it didn't work out, you could just redeal and (laughs) go again. Yeah. I think that's when it shines that's what uh, my answer used to be (laughs) and then you grew up but i guess i haven't yet
2: (laughs) no i mean then i then i took a second look at the expansions that have come out since guilds okay and that's when i realized oh wow there's there's a lot happening with
0: dominion now there is absolutely all right so now this will be a fun one most recognizable comparison so the highest ranking game that reminds you the most of dominion this is a very
2: personal answer well good uh, because back in the day dominion was just such a a hot game that everybody wanted to play all the time. And I would compare it to Catan because it it kind of pushed Catan out of the way (laughs) in the circles I played with. And I think that they have a very important similarity, and that is their huge path dependency. I mean, Catan and Dominion are all about your initial choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in Catan, where you put your starting settlements is gonna just define how your game goes. Oh my god. And gosh. the same way, the first three cards you buy in Dominion are almost certainly going to define how your game goes. So that that's why I picked Catan. Okay.
0: I put down Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated, or to a lesser extent would be Clank a deck building adventure. And the reason why I really like the Clank world is that it took the deck building mechanism and then added more storytelling on top of it and did it in a meaningful way. And so for me, that was the highest ranking game that reminds me of Dominion.
2: Okay. The only time I've played Clank was with you, and I honestly didn't remember that it had deck building in it. I, I was so focused on the movement right, and the goal achieving.
0: Yes. As you are going through the dungeon trying to get to the Dragon's Treasure and then escaping, you are picking up cards along the way in Dominion style.
2: Right. Yeah. I didn't make that connection.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So then, less recognizable comparison.
2: This is also a story-based answer, but my pick is Millennium Blades. Yes. And that's because a lot of people used to say that Dominion was like Magic the Gathering in a single box. But, you know, talking to Donald, that's totally not true, right? (laughs) But what is Magic the Gathering in a single box is Millennium Blades. Millennium Blades is the 1990s and early 2000s collectible card game experience packaged up into a 60-minute game. Deck construction is a separate phase from card play, so it's really nothing like Dominion. <laughs> but I think it emphasizes that Dominion is very different from every game that came before it. Yes.
0: And you were a professional Magic player, weren't you? Yes.
2: Back in the 90s and the early
0: 2000s. So Millennium Blades has got to also hold a bit of... Oh
2: my god, I love it so light. much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it takes me back
0: exactly (laughs) like it's got a pluck on the heartstrings there and take you back to that time 100 percent to have it all in one box is pretty cool so i stuck with deck building and more pure deck building as opposed to games that incorporate it these days and one of the other common themes aside from the fantasy theme is sci-fi and so i went with core worlds which is a great blend of deck building as well as strategizing and manipulating your fleet strength through deck building
2: heck yeah you know i went back and looked at what happened when i stopped playing dominion and basically what took its place and it was core
0: worlds there you go awesome game i like millennium blades is a good pick too thank you all right house rules how would you improve this game
2: i don't know if it's in the rule book but I am very forgiving when determining the 10 supply card piles. Okay. I am more than happy to let people veto certain cards or make substitutions right. if they think it's going to make the game better. I don't know. I just, I have so much trauma from Pirate Ship that uh, <laughs> I, I would never want to play
0: with it again. Right? <laughs> and let's not waste the time. So I totally agree with that. I had down something similar. Crafting card sets that support a fun narrative. Right. So if it makes sense Mm -hmm. and you're going to pull cards from multiple expansions because you're trying to create almost a storyline and see how you do, absolutely go for it.
2: Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Actually, I'd like to try that.
0: We just have to find time. Yeah, that's the rub it is. If Dominion is being played at game night, then what do you want to play afterwards or before? Because, you know, Dominion can be a digestive after a main event. What's the double feature game that goes along with it?
2: I mean, right now it's just more Dominion. I, I just want to play it again and again and again. If <laughs> if we're going to go to the trouble of forklifting in right all the cards, I just, I want it to be the feature game that night and the only game that night. <laughs> That's fair. Or we're going to have a
0: night of just sleeving. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. This is one of those few games where I think once you get playing, you want to keep playing it again and again. If I was going to pair it up with something I would probably just go with one of the previous two games i mentioned like core worlds or or clank legacy but i really enjoy playing dominion and once you get into that mindset it's almost like let's just churn and see what the next game's going to be yeah so what feature of the game still stands out to you for me this is going to be a rhetorical question but maybe you have a different answer. yeah i mean
2: it's it's the originator of deck construction that's it, so. right? <laughs> deck building it. yeah what else is there <laughs> deck building while
0: you're playing right it started it all and i really enjoyed the conversation we had with donald when he was talking about you know everything was going to be in your deck and it came out as a result of that aesthetic like okay your equipment's going to be in deck your cards gonna be your victory points, everything's gonna be in your deck
2: even the rules are gonna be in the deck
0: even the rules are gonna be in the deck yeah it's just fantastic what feature of the game now disappoints what feature may not have aged as well
2: it was not good from the get go <laughs> the, the the attack cards i mean sometimes they're neat And sometimes they're fitting, but when they extend the game to the point where it's no longer fun, that's the one thing I hate about Dominion.
0: Right? That's a good point. I didn't think about that one. Like the Witch and the Curse uh, on the original one, and then they... I like
2: the Witch and the Curse, but I don't think there's any attack cards in the original that make it painful to play. But Intrigue 1st Edition, uh, Seaside 1st Edition, they have cards that can just make the game no longer fun.
0: (laughs) Okay, I would agree that those would not have aged as well.
2: But they're not in the second edition boxes,
0: so, hooray! Right? (laughs) People weren't playing with them, so got rid of them. Which is another interesting side effect, I guess. I, I don't know, for example, like, I play it online on Steam. It's free to play there, the base game. Uh, And then all of the expansions are being released as DLC that you pay for. Mm -hmm. But there's a daily challenge that's going to draw cards. That's how they tease you into wanting to play the expansions is they let you play one game each day that has cards drawn from all of it. I wonder if they're tracking like which cards people are playing with or which expansions, right?
2: Well, they certainly do with the website dominion.games, okay. which is what I've been using to experience
0: all the new expansions, well, new to me expansions. Right. <laughs> it's a bit like those, Coca-Cola has those freestyle soda machines. Have you seen those where you get to mix your own flavor? No. Oh. Where you you punch in what flavor you want, right? right? You, you pick what the base drink is, and you punch what additional flavor. And I'm thinking that's just in market data collection. So if you find out that, gee, <laughs> <laughs> diet cherry coke is going like gangbusters in Atlanta, then you know that's what you're going to sell into Atlanta. I mean, people are just telling you I what they want. I never
2: thought of it that way. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: And you have to have an internet connection on the machine to be able to have it in your store. So yeah.
2: I didn't know that. Wow. Thank you. Learn uh, learned learned <laughs> something about it. I thought it was, you know, give customers whatever they want at the press of a button, but it's also feedback. So
0: yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if they're doing yeah, that with Dominion I'm as sure well to get insight. With Dominion. Exactly. Did this game replace a previous one? Emphatic no. <laughs> Emphatic no. Okay. By the way, I had it no with an exclamation point too, because like it created a new genre. It didn't replace any exactly. Exactly. Has it since been replaced? And if so, by what?
2: Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, like we've talked about, I stopped playing around the time of Cornucopia and Dark Ages And moved on to deck builders like Core Worlds and uh, Innovation, right? (laughs) which isn't really a deck builder, but it's what I moved on to. And nowadays, you know, I think we've talked about this before. Some of our favorite games are deck builder worker placement games, which is a new genre combination, really. Right. But I am really thankful that you invited me to be part of this episode because it has forced me to learn a lot about what Dominion is today. Right. And uh, so for anybody like me, who feels like they outgrew basic dominion i strongly recommend giving it another try with adventures and menagerie
0: excellent yeah i'm glad we came back to it as well for me and i had something very similar we had stopped playing dominion and we had moved on to games that weren't pure deck builders any longer but had deck building as a component you know we've done our three top hits between great western trail dune imperium and lost ruins of arnak all of them are of that style that have deck building as as a single component within a larger framework and all three of those have done very well with our group yes and you now have what New Zealand we got to try that <laughs> that's
2: right sheep herding
0: <laughs> <laughs> so soundtrack what music would you want to listen to while playing Dominion
2: I didn't have an answer for this so I went to the internet mm-hmm. and apparently there is a genre called fantasy medieval tavern music and that's what I would want to listen to <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Drop the mic. That's perfect. Medieval fantasy tavern music. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> all right. Rating, so on BGG scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate Dominion now?
2: Averaging all the expansions, and being as I'm only reintroducing myself to it for about a month now, it's about a 7, but uh, I, I think it could go higher if I keep playing.
0: Nice. You're a stricter rater of games than I am. I had it down as an 8. I mean i'm not champing at the bit to bring it out to the table but i'm always delighted to play it and for me that's that's a good sign of a game so i had it down as an eight which means a last question is it replayable and how soon would i want to revisit the game i'll say that i love the digital implementation on steam and i've been playing those daily challenges so i'm playing it daily how about you
2: right if we're talking about digital implementations it's highly replayable. I can play almost every day. But face-to-face, you know, we touched on this before. As much as I've renewed my enjoyment of the game, there's still a lot of other games I'd rather play with the group that we have. And while I think Dominion could fit with our group, right, using the later expansions, it requires a significant investment to first own them
0: and second, bring them to game night. I almost would want to do it once, just for the meme of showing up with 15 or 16 boxes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> maybe maybe it would actually, you know, require the investment of pre-planning four or five supply sets. Now you're talking. And only bringing
0: those. Yes, that's how we would have to do it.
2: Especially with your recommendation before of making the supply stacks into a story. I think that'd be a lot of fun
0: we talked about this during our conversation with Donald, is like, I think there's a campaign there somewhere between the events and the ways and things like that. You could come up with a story that you could thread. I haven't figured out the mechanisms of what carries over from one game to the next, if you were going to make it cohesive like that, but at least Mm. in the theme of the cards, you could. Yes, I agree. All right, so any other final comments after this amazing show we've had, where we've had an opportunity to talk to Donald X Vaccarino and-
2: It's been great and I'm so happy that you requested my
0: time for this one <laughs> all right well thanks for being available and enjoy the rest of your day thank you for listening to replayable support for our podcast comes from listeners like you you can find us online at replayable.fm on twitter as replayablefm and on instagram as replayablefm you can also join our team at patreon.com replayable thank you for your support we welcome your feedback, which is the only way that we are going to get better. You can get in touch with us via email at feedback at replayable.fm. And if you're interested in sponsoring us, then please contact us at sponsors at replayable.fm. This episode of Replayable is brought to you by Floodgate Games, the makers of lasting games like Sagrada Artisans. Their motto is Creating Everlasting Experiences Through Gaming, and that idea resonates with us here at Replayable. As a group of friends who have been enjoying weekly game nights for over 15 years, we have many fun memories that were forged over the gaming table. Gaming is what brought us together and keeps us coming back again and again. Thank you to Floodgate Games, creating everlasting experiences through gaming.